Appreciate everyone making the effort to be here this evening. I know it may be an exciting thing to be able to come and hear me speak. At least I'm saying, hopefully my wife feels that way. I'm not sure how many other people do, but I hope I can be a blessing to you tonight. Maybe give you a challenge that can help you. I know it's an effort to come back, and I know we're praying Pastor gets back safely, and I appreciate you coming in the summertime, making it a priority to be here. So as we think tonight, I want to ask yourself this. Have you ever held yourself back from being your best? Have you ever self-sabotaged or held yourself back from being your absolute best? Two stories come to mind, and this is the little me because I've matured so much since then, but I know that I was moving here, and my mom took me to my entrance exam. It was a really high-pressure exam. It was to get into junior kindergarten. I know many people sweat, and you prepare your children for that, but she had tried to prepare me, and it was a very unfair test because they gave me a color sheet and asked me to color how many of you like to color? Okay. I have one child who really likes to color, one who's in the middle, and one who doesn't like to color at all. And I guess he got that for me. And so when I got the paper, my mom had worked with me about coloring in the lines, but I just took the crayon, just scribbled on it like this, and handed it back. Well, they thought that I wasn't qualified to enter junior kindergarten because of that. So, of course, my mom was very gracious and understanding. She just said, no, 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 my son is special. And No, my mom was furious when she got in the car. And she said, why didn't you do better than that? And I said, I didn't want to. Um, so she tried to persuade me that from then on I should want to a little more. Um, but maybe you had an area in your life like that where you held yourself back. I don't know if Mrs. Doris Smith is here tonight, but I still have a little bit of frustration with her. How many of you, when you got your report cards or progress reports back in grade school, you would just kind of hold that open, look down the grades, and then the dreaded looking on the back to see if there's any teacher's notes. You might know what I'm talking about there. Now, maybe you got good comments from the teacher. But typically, if there was writing on the very back of that progress report report card, it was not a good thing. Does anyone else know what I'm talking about? I'm the only one. Well, I saw not just a line, but I saw several lines there. Well, I was very anxious, so I read it, and she says, Keith is very capable of doing his work and doing better, but he just says, I can't, and doesn't apply himself, something like that. Well, maybe that's not a big deal, but it was a very big deal <laughs> to my parents. And they said, you will apply yourself, and you'll make sure you have a good spirit when you do it, and we'll make sure that doesn't happen again. So I've teased Mrs. Dora Smith since then, because we have a birthday on the same day, um, but she really challenged me that day. You know what she was trying to do? Help me be my best. You know who stood in the way of me being my best? Me. Now, is that a good approach to have? And you may think, oh, I can't believe you did that, but are you doing that today? Are you holding yourself back? Are you keeping yourself from being your best? Now, as I think about the Bible, I think about some different people in the Bible who may have done this. We're not going to go into detail on this character, but if there was ever a capable character in the Bible of being a superhero. Now, we all, I guess right now, superhero kind of a craze, and everybody likes superheroes, and I'm close to being a superhero, that's why I'm talking about it. You can laugh at that point. Samson. Now, I understand he had great strength, but he had to have more than that. How do you catch 300 foxes? I mean, I've seen a lot of strong guys that can't hardly move. I don't think Samson just went, rawr, rawr, and the foxes ran to him. He had to be super agile. Maybe he was super fast. 
how did he catch the fox and then they bite him? Was his skin like super tough? Does anyone ever think of these things besides me? Am I the only one? It makes the Bible very captivating. How scripturally accurate it is, I'm not really sure, but it really does whet my appetite around to read it. But as I start reading about Samson, he held himself back in such a way. Have you ever wanted to skip over reading about when Samson revealed the secret of his strength to Delilah? Be honest, almost every time I come to that, I skip over it. I'm too frustrated. It frustr Why would you do that? Why would you hold yourself back? Why would you self-sabotage yourself? Can't you see what God can do through you? Can't you see your potential? Can't you see that you're saving a nation? Can you not see all the gifts and talents that God has? He's bestowed them upon you, and he's given to you, and you're set apart, and you're special, and Sam's like, eh, she's pretty. And he self-sabotages. And I know you're thinking, if you're like me, where I'm not Samson, I'm not like a superhero, I don't have these supernatural strength, but you do have supernatural gifts and talents that God has bestowed upon you, and you do have a will that God can do through you, and you can hold yourself back just like Samson did. The story that comes to mind that I read, there was a dad in 14th century, what is now Belgium. He had two sons. He had Edward and Reynald. Reynald was the older son, so when the dad was passed on, the dad died, Reynald was to become the king. Well, Edward, the younger son, had a revolt against his brother, Reynald, and led a revolt and actually took the place and took the throne of his older brother. Instead of killing him or putting him in prison, what he actually did is went into the palace and put him in a room and built a room around him with several open windows and an open door. And he said, whenever you choose, you can come up to the throne and take your rightful place on the throne. There was no guard at the door. The door was open. And for 10 years, he never left that room. And his brother ruled the kingdom. And Reynald, day after day after day, sat in that room and settled. And he held himself back. Now, what his brother would do when people would say, why are you being so unkind to your older brother? He's supposed to be the king. He said, I am not holding him prisoner. He can leave whenever he chooses. Now, what he didn't always say is that his brother really had an appetite problem. And several times a day, he would carry in trays of his favorite foods and put them in front of him. And his brother would devour the foods and stopped himself from walking out of that room and taking his rightful place on the throne. His brother would go out and fight crusades, and 10 years later, his brother died in one of those crusades, and they came down and had to carry Reynold up to the throne and put him on the throne, and he was in such poor health, he died just a few months later. He was supposed to be the king. 
He was supposed to fulfill his rightful place and manage a kingdom. But instead, he settled for an appetite and held himself captive. Are you settling today? Where are you settling? Are you a single parent today and you're just saying, I'll just do my best? Are you settling? In your Christian life, are you just settling and say, ah, I'll make it, I'll kind of be apathetic and go through life and not really apply myself and not really give myself? Are you holding yourself captive? Are you in a room with an open door that you refuse to walk through because you keep indulging in an appetite that you know is holding you back? In what area of your life are you fulfilling an appetite but killing a purpose? Man, it feels good to indulge in this behavior, this habit, this appetite, but in doing so, you know you're undermining the very purpose you're here. You know that you're undermining your role that you want to have as a father to your children or as a mother to your children or maybe a spouse or a partner. You know you're undermining that purpose because you're indulging in an appetite. It may not be a sinful appetite, but you're taking on those appetites and you're letting it distract you and hold you captive. What feels good in the moment but erodes your ambitions and your dreams? What feels good and you can indulge just like Reynold did and he took those foods that he wanted so badly and enjoyed them and indulged in them day after day and every few hours they would come and he would think, man, do I want to be king? Oh, but this is so good. This looks so good. This is so appealing. This makes me feel good. I get a dopamine hit when I take it. Oh, let me eat some more. And in doing so, he stopped himself from walking out of the door, walking upstairs and taking back his place as king. Where are you settling? Where are you killing your ambitions or your dreams? Where are you holding yourself captive? A few verses I'll show to you. One of them here is such a clear word picture. I mean, if you, if you read certain verses in the Bible, you get an idea and it really paints a, a word picture. This is such a clear word picture. That I don't think anyone can misinterpret what it means. And you can almost see the imagery as you read it. Proverbs 23, verse 2. Put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. I mean, it would be a little strange if I walked up here and had a knife to my own throat and he said, man, if you don't let me do it, I'm going to slip my throat. You'd say, that's a little weird. Why are you holding yourself captive that way? But how many of you are holding a knife to your throat because you can't control an appetite? You can't control how much time you spend on your phone. You can't control how much you spend when you shouldn't spend. You can't control how you spend your discretionary time. And you abandon those close friends or families. You can't control your quiet time, so you never have that time alone with God and by reading a prayer. And you sabotage yourself getting close to them. And you're putting a knife to your throat to being what you should be and could be with God's help. But you put a knife to your throat and you're holding yourself back. Where are you giving in to an appetite? Where are you holding yourself back? Where are you holding yourself captive? What room is keeping you walled in? And you know you could walk out at any time, but there's some 
appetite that is carried into that room, and you look at it, you think, you know what? I could go take my real purpose in life, but instead, I'm going to indulge in this right in front of me. Where are you holding yourself back? Maybe it's a bad habit. Maybe it is a sinful habit. Maybe it's something you indulge in that you know you shouldn't be, and it's just riding with guilt, and it's diminishing your capacity in your own mind. And you know you are. It erodes away your own identity. You wonder, man, could I ever be any more than that? You wonder why you get depressed and frustrated down yourself. Maybe you're holding yourself captive. How do you think Reynald felt about himself year two? What about year five? What about year seven? Do you think at some point he just gave up? Quit caring? Just said, you know what, this is all I am, and indulged in appetite over and over and over. We were talking about friend day. Maybe you have a friend that's indulging in appetite, and you need to get them to church so they can get to know what their true purpose is. Their true purpose is getting to know that Jesus Christ died for them, and they can accept that home in heaven someday. Maybe your purpose is going out inviting people and you're holding yourself back because you're worried about what they'll think or what they'll say or yes or no, and you keep holding yourself back. That fear holds you captive. What is holding you captive? What should your habit be tomorrow morning when you get up? Should it be a quiet time? Should it be somewhere you get alone and say, God, I need your Holy Spirit on me today? Are you taking the time? Are you taking your time intentionally to spend with those you love or your family or your kids or your spouse? Or are you just out doing what you want, fulfilling an appetite, but you're killing the purpose that God has for you? A couple pages over in Proverbs 25, verse 28, this verse came to mind. He that hath no Rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. One common area that many of us struggle with is holding ourselves captive is we can't control our spirit. We fall prey to just whatever feels good to our spirit and our emotions, just let it loose. And you have so much regret, you have so much self-sabotage going on because we can't control our spirit. Are you defenseless today because you can't control your emotions? When someone says something to you, you just say, I just got to say it. Do you really have to? Or are you holding yourself captive by doing that? Now, I've only been married 27 and a half years, but I found that 27 and a half years, there's a whole lot of things that I think in my head that shouldn't come out of my mouth. Anybody ever say that before? Think that? And sometimes as you say something, you know, this is not the smartest thing to say. And guess what we still do? You say, as you're saying it, you're like, what are you doing? You're crazy. Don't say it. Don't say it. And then you say it. Now, sometimes the thought comes to my mind. I think, I should just tell my wife this thought. And I say that thought. She looks at me like I've lost my mind, and I think, well, maybe I have. She thinks I'm crazy. So then you try to word it differently and just say, well, man, what do you think of someone who thinks this? I think they're crazy. Oh, I do too. Well, that person was me, but I don't want to tell her that. So you try to deflect a little bit. Have you lost control of your spirit? Do those who work with you cringe when you come around? Do those who work with you try to read your emotions to see how they have to approach you today? 
Do those closest to you have to try to evaluate what mood you're in all the time, say no if it's a day they can talk to you or not? Do those who live with you have to cringe every time you go on one of your rants, your anger? Are you defenseless? Are you fulfilling the appetite of just letting your emotions rage and killing the purpose of being the leader, the example, the husband, the father, the Christian co-worker that you're supposed to be? Where are you absolutely defenseless? Where are you holding yourself captive? Where are your emotions absolutely making you defenseless? Are you a person that is always a victim and powerless to take control of your emotions? How, are you one of these people that just want sympathy all the time and, man, one day you act like you're up and then you're always kind of that victim and then you get depressed all the time and you just think, oh, man, life is so tough. And you want other people to come and run to your help and escape and run to your side and say, what can I do to help you and assist you? Are you that person? Are you powerless? Are you in a room that you can walk out of anytime you want, but you refuse and you sit there? and you kill the purpose of life. You find a coping mechanism with your emotions, and you just let them take over. You fall into depression when you don't need to. You could get out and say, I'm going to start making changes in my life. We all have responsibility. The ability to control a response. Are you responsible are you able to control your response? Man, they just make me so mad. Oh, they just push my buttons there all the time. Oh, they're just so annoying. They may be, but you know what? You have a response ability. You absolutely can control your response to a situation. Is it easy? Absolutely not. But can you do it? Absolutely. You claim, let the Holy Spirit work through you. You claim that power that's inside of you. You absolutely can do it. You absolutely can be a better boss, coworker. You absolutely can be a better friend to your friends by controlling that response and biting your tongue and saying, I'm going to be better than that. And you can stop holding yourself captive in a room and building a ceiling over your own head and saying, I'm just going to bounce against the ceiling and I can't do any more and God doesn't want me to do any more. No, God may say, look, the door is unlocked. I just need you to take a step out of that door. I need you to control some of those appetites. I need you to control your emotions. I need you to control your schedule. I need you to learn to be intentional. I need you to take control of your life and prove that you're response-able. You're able to control the responses of those around you. Well, if someone disagrees with you, how do you respond? Oh, I just disagree with them. Keep your mouth shut. If you look in the Gospels, how many times was Jesus disagreeable? How many times did Jesus not prove to be responsible? His responsibility, his ability to control response was on display and tested daily. And he set such a good example. And maybe that's why he fulfilled the purpose of his father. The devil tried to take him aside and say, look at the appetites you can fill. Look what I can do for you. But he kept his eye on the purpose. He said, I'm, I appreciate that, but I'm not settling. I'm going to drive forward and fulfill my purpose. 
So if you're in this place and you don't know what to do, how can you find freedom? Maybe you're in that room and you can think of the way you're holding yourself captive right now. You can think of the way that your emotions are just ruling you and your life and hurting your relationships and hurting your ability to be a, a test, testimony and witness for our Savior. Maybe you're holding yourself back in your marriage. Maybe you're holding yourself back at work and you think, man, if I gave my coworkers an invitation to Friend Day, they would think, man, who are you? Why do I want to be like you? You don't like that about yourself and you want to be a better witness and a testimony. You want them to be compelled by you. You want to be a better example to them than you you know what? You can change it. How can you find freedom tonight? How can you turn the corner? How can you just say no to these appetites that are holding you back? Verse most of us are familiar with, Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind, by changing your thinking, by seeing yourself as God sees you, by allowing yourself to say, you know what? I can think differently. Why? So you can prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So many of you have fallen into this trap of saying, that's just who I am. That's all I can achieve. That's all I can accomplish. I don't have any gifts. I'm just in this victim mentality. This is just the life, life has dealt with me, and this is a lot they've cast me, and I'm just a single parent or boy, I just didn't take the right job or I made some bad choice in my past. And God is in there saying, look, the door is unlocked. All you have to do is walk out. All you have to do is change your thinking. All you have to do is say, God, I want your help. And you can control the appetite and walk out of that room. You can walk upstairs and take the place on the throne of your life that God's purpose says is yours. Do you want to claim it? Do you want that? Especially in some ladies that I talk to and they're like, man, I'm just trying to raise these kids on my own. And I'll tell you, God said, with my help, you can have a child that is going to achieve their purpose. But I need you to claim with confidence being their mother and saying, I'm going to set a good example and I'm going to do all I can for my child. Some of you dads try to abandon the family and walk out in the family and not give them the time because you're scared of taking that responsibility and that role and saying, I'm not a good role model to my kids. It's better I'm not even there. Don't fall into that trap. You step back in and say, I'm going to take that yoke on my shoulders and I'm going to be a good example and I'm going to live the right way so my kids can follow in my steps. Take the place in the throne room that God put in your life and say, I'm going to be the absolute best I can be. How do I do it? You buy changing your thinking. Makes it clear. Don't conform to the world that you put yourself a prisoner in. Don't conform and say, eh, it's just a box I'm in. God says, get out of the box. Don't conform to that world. Transform. Make a difference. How? By renewing your mind. Going back to when it was new. Renewing. Refreshing. Just like sometimes on our phone, it freezes. And you think, oh, what can I do? You restart the phone. You think it's just going to fix. And then it does. It's so refreshing. What would it be like to get a fresh start in your life? What would it be like tomorrow morning to get out of the rut that you're in where you're holding yourself captive? What would it feel like? What would it feel like to step into the dreams that you have that God put in your heart when you were younger? What would it feel like to claim the responsibility to say, I'm going to walk into work tomorrow, and I'm going to be a Christ-filled employee. I'm going to be a good testimony to all of those around me. I'm going to live in such a way that they want what I have. I'm going to give them the example and testimony and tracks them to friend day. They're going to say, yes, I'll be glad to go to you because you have such a good heart and you're such a good witness and testimony because of your life. Are you willing to back it up? What are you going to do with your kids, your wife, your husband? All of them want what you have because you are not settling. 
and holding yourself captive, putting a knife to your throat. What appetite is holding you captive? Ephesians 3.20 is such a powerful, powerful verse as we think about this. Now to him that is able to do what? Acceding abundantly above all that you ask or what? Think. According, not to us, to the power that worketh in us. When you don't think you can do it, go to a higher power. When you fall into this victim mindset, you fall into this, ah, this is who I am mindset. You go into these little funks and you know you're not doing your best. And you know you're holding yourself back. Just like when I colored that little kindergarten exam and didn't do my best. And I thought, ah, what's the big deal? I didn't see the big picture. And some of you aren't seeing the big picture and you're holding yourself back. And God is saying, man, I can do a seating abundantly above all that you ask or think. You sit there and think, oh, I wish God would just work in my heart. And he says, I am. You won't fulfill your appetite and walk out of the room and go up and claim the throne that I have for you. You won't fulfill the purpose that I have in my life because you can't control an appetite. You can't control sitting in front of your TV hour after hour when you should step up and do something else. You can't control going out of your way to talk to your neighbors or your family or friends. You can't be intentional with your schedule. You can't say, I'm going to give discipline and control my appetite and say, this is what I want. And you're holding yourself back. Do you honestly ask yourself right now, what appetite is holding me back? Where are my emotions making me defenseless? If you would honestly ask yourself that right now, God may answer, then you know. And when you do, go to Ephesians 3.20 and look, he is able to do exceeding, exceeding abundantly, above all that you ask or think. You think, man, that, yes, that. Exceeding abundantly. If you gauge the power of God by watching it work in my life, how powerful is it? If I can't break out my bad habits, if I don't have any belief that God can work through me, why would anyone else believe they can work through them? What opportunities are we missing because we won't believe Ephesians 3.20 and all, above all, that we ask or think. The power to set you free may be in your grasp. It may be right there. You know, it's a little scary, isn't it? Because you want to blame other people or just make it ambiguous. You're even blame your own past. I can't because of my past. Ask yourself honestly a few of these questions. Number one, if this changed, it would change my life. As I'm asking you these questions, if you're willing to address the issue, pray it right now. Ask yourself, say, God, give me the answer to these. If this one habit changed, if this one appetite changed, it would change my life. If I just spent more time doing this, it would change my life. If I just controlled my schedule better, this would change my life. If I could just get on top of this appetite, it would change my life. If this changed, it would change my life. What is it? Who's holding you back? Next, I feel in bondage to. What do you feel in bondage to? Where do you feel chained up? Where are you blaming? I'm just held captive in a room. Brother would say the door is unlocked, unguarded, and open. 
Where do you feel in bondage? And you're putting yourself in your own chains. It could fall off whenever you choose. You see, to go to God and say, God, change my thinking. Renew my mind. God, show me that clear vision. God, show me that, three, that clear purpose, exceeding abundantly above all that I ask or think. God, if I want to achieve it, what can I do? It's this change that would change my life. I feel in bondage to you. What is that? What do you feel in bondage to? Last, if I could just break this habit or control this emotion. Man, if I could just get over this habit, if I could just get over this emotion, if I could just control that, I would be able to, what would it be? Oh, man, I could do, then do it. Walk out of the door. Let God control your mindset. Let God control your thinking. God is saying, I can do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. How can you do it? By transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Are you letting God work in you? Are you just sitting there indulging on something that's right in front of you when you know there's so much more behind that? Some things aren't bad that you can do. Man, years ago, I used to like to play golf. My wife got in, and I played golf a lot, and I was doing all these things, and I still remember I had my second son. Me and Dave used to go to the golf course. I knew the course I would let us play, and I would take him. It was cute. He had these little clubs, and we would just go play and spend time together. I still remember I had another son, Pete. Pete was, man, he was probably two, two and a half years old. And I remember taking Pete. I could tell you I was a whole three of a certain course. It was a 141-yard par three, and I sat there and had my nine iron, and I let them hit, and then I would go pick their ball up, and we had a great time out there. But I remember as I put that ball in the tee, in the tee box, I was starting to come down, and I, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a blur. And I heard someone say birdie. Okay. I couldn't stop my swing, but thankfully, and I don't know if the angel helped me, thankfully, as I did, my hands opened and the club fell to the ground. If you know those moments that everything slows down, I assume where the club hit two or three times in the tee box. My heart's racing. This is one of those times when you're not really angry, but your adrenaline's going because you just realized if I had to come through with my nine iron and caught my son Pete in the head, I would have crushed his skull. And Pete's going, Bertie, Bertie, run across. <laughs> I remember I walked the rest of the nine. I didn't swing anymore. I let them play. Went home and told my wife, I'm not playing anymore. It wasn't wrong. But it was an appetite that was holding me captive from being an intentional father I needed to be. And I set it aside. I've probably played golf five times in the last 18 years. I don't, it doesn't matter if I play anymore because that was an appetite that would have kept me, me personally, from my purpose. One more illustration of that's not wrong, but it kept me. I remember speaking at a conference, and it was on my birthday. My kids were very little. I remember what state I was in. I remember which hotel I was in. I was sitting there. My wife, I don't know if it was FaceTime or phone. I don't remember when all that stuff happened. But she called me, and my kids were trying to talk to me. I remember thinking, what am I doing? I'm speaking out, but my kids are at home. My purpose for me, my calling on my life, to my family, my kids. So I was not doing it anymore. So I canceled everything, and you know what? When my son graduated high school, some of that purpose was done, but you know what? I don't regret that. Now, is that your purpose? I'm not telling you that. I'm just telling you these are some things, if we look at these questions here, that if I would not have changed, I would have held myself back, and I would have been true to myself, and I would have compromised my own integrity. I would have felt in bondage. I was pretty open with you now. Is there someone in your life that you think, you know what, if I change this, it would change my life? 
Man, I feel in bondage to you. What, what is that? If I could just break this habit or control this emotion, man, the sky would be the limit. What is that? If you're willing to pray and say, God, where am I holding myself captive? Where am I sitting in a room and indulging in an appetite but killing my purpose? If you're willing to pray that honestly, I believe we can claim the verse now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think.